The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. This is your host, Sandy Scarlatta, and I am so happy you're here. First of all, I want to thank each and every one of my listeners for all the five-star reviews, and I'm so proud to announce that because of you, Happiness Solved podcast is now in the top 0.5% globally and growing. We just had our biggest month ever with over 85,000 downloads. So I have a question for you to ponder. Are you reaching your full potential or is something holding you back? I'm grateful to announce the launch of the Peak Performance Mindset Academy, where you will discover strategies designed to transform your mindset and shatter your performance ceilings. Envision feeling unstoppable and confident in any professional or personal situation. Don't wait to start living your best life. Text PEAK to 26786 and begin to embrace the power within you. So when you text PEAK to 26786, you will receive access to my new book, Peak Performance Secrets. And as a special gift to you, the first 100 people who download Peak Performance Secrets will receive a three-month trial membership into the Peak Performance Mindset Mastermind at the reduced rate of only $19.95 per month. So don't wait. Text PEAK to 26786. Thank you for listening today. And remember, happiness is a choice and the choice is yours. Enjoy the show. Christopher Dora, it is such an honor and a privilege to be speaking with you today. Thank you so much. And again, I love your backdrop. <laughs> Thank you for I'm taking the time. I'm right now. You know, wherever you're at, I'm going to come pick you up for lunch. <laughs> oh, yes. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. So we had such a nice conversation before I hit record. Um and I want to I want to go over this again because you have had you had such a, a remarkable career in the NFL playing for the Miami Dolphins, and I love when you see professional athletes transition into another field. And now you're you know motivational speaker, um, you work with nonprofits, and you're in the financial services industry, and you've really made an an amazing transition because sometimes that can be really hard. And I want to touch on that, but first, can you tell me? how you got to where you are today and and what what was that driving force behind you that led you to play football and then take it to the next level at the professional level? Sure. Well, I'm a God-fearing man and I have to give all my praise to the Almighty. I, um, I never in my life thought I was going to end up pro as a professional sports player, um, NFL at that. 
my parents, you know, 40 years ago left the West Caribbean islands and decided, you know, we want to offer our children an education to have an opportunity. Um, we and my siblings were all born in Queens, Flushing, New York, and uh, we spent a few years there, but um, realized that it wasn't a good climate for the eldest sibling because she had asthma. So we had to transition. Uh, we came to Miami, Florida, and it was a great, great place to be. And um, growing up here, you see a lot of different perspectives because the weather, obviously the taxes and obviously different reasons why it's always, you know, year round a tropical climate for you to go to the beach. There's never a time in Miami where you can't go to the beach, whether it's December through February. I love um, Miami. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, being in the DC metro area, it's like a two hour flight, two and a half hour flight and you're there. So it's just, it's glorious. <laughs> Growing up here, um, it's very much sports, uh, basketball, football, soccer, uh, and many other sports. But when you, you know, you know, developed in high school and you have every coach, you know, uh, you know, talking to you about, hey, come join this sport, that sport. For me, it wasn't something that I did all my life. And it was new to me, organized sports. You know, you play in the neighborhood and you have fun. But when I really felt like it was a calling for me was uh, my senior year in high school. Okay. So one of the head coaches said, hey, son, you look wide. And I said, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, you like, you can, you know, bring some value to the team playing football and um, have some fun. Well, for me, when growing up in the household, my mother always, you know, pressed education and education was what they couldn't take away from me. And, right. I, and I realized that earlier in my life that if I have an education, it can probably open up some doors. I probably never get an opportunity to walk through if I'm not educated. So Already, when the coach reached out to me, I thought college. I said, you know what? My parents are not going to stroke a check for me to go to a, a private university. Um, I need to kind of figure this out. And if not, right. I need to transition and go into the military or do something different. I just didn't want to stay where I was at um, after high school. I tried out you know, my spring year, junior year football and liked it. Because I built camaraderie, I brought, I built friendship. Well, and your size too. Right. Helps. Well, <laughs> I was yeah. six foot five, two hundred and eighty-five pounds in high school. So wow. You can already uh, imagine I had the specimen uh, size yep. to go to college. Um, yes. You know, I started off playing football really my senior year, and I had one really great highlight, which opened up a lot of doors for me. I had a sack playing defensive tackle. Wow. play was amazing because it, it was the, the, the most rush I got ever playing a game. And I saw everybody chanting, everybody was excited. I'm like, wow, this is what you get if you do well. So it inspired me to say, I want to <laughs> play this and keep playing this. Come to find out, I had a lot of opportunities to go to college after that one game. So I wow. thought about it, I said, well, but this is about grace of God. I played one year high school sports, and now I got all these offers to go to college. I thought about it and reflected. University of Charleston in West Virginia, they offered me a full ride. And wow. it was so amazing to know that, one, I didn't know where West Virginia was, two, <laughs> and then it was a scenario where it was cold. It was going back right. to, like, the Northeast. right. But, when I realized the options in front of me, I was like, we don't get this twice in life. I took the deal. I uh, decided to transition out of Florida and uh, go to University of Charleston. Uh, Sandy, I spent five years there. and, and, and Charleston's studied. amazing. Yeah, it was. My really brother, good. my younger brother lives in Charleston. I love it. It's gorgeous yeah. there. Yeah. Well, Charleston, West Virginia was a little different from Miami. And uh, yeah. being that it's more rural, 
um, you know, the University of Charleston had about 1,200 students the year I attended. Oh, you're talking Charleston, West Virginia. West Virginia, girl. Okay, I'm thinking Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina. Okay, so yeah. Well, that's what everybody thinks. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Charleston, Charleston, yes. And I live near, I mean, West Virginia is only 20 miles from me, from where I live, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's funny because, you know, there are a couple different Charlestons. There's South yes. Carolina, North Carolina, and then little West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia, that's right. <laughs> I um I, I was there for five years, um, redshirted and spent the rest of my years uh, focusing on business because I knew that I wanted to be a business professional, a CEO one day of my own. Um, right. Being that I, you know, continued growing and, and basically, you know, became to be six foot seven, 85 inch wingspan, 300 pound on offensive tackle that could had really good hands and feet. I had the opportunity to go to the next level. And Come to find out, we didn't have the ESPN highlights. We didn't have the huge, you know, 30,000, you know, student body. And, and it wasn't a program that, you know, got a lot of exposure. However, we had some diamonds in the rough, including myself. Right, and right. When I, uh, you know, had my uh, certifications and I had my paperwork, I completed my master's in business administration and leadership and knew that, you know, if something doesn't work out for sports, I can fall back into business. My yeah. graduate school had um, relationships in Shanghai, and they were sending the students to do an internship there, and then you get right into the private sector. So wow. when I when I completed that program, I had two options in front of me. I could continue and do the internship, or now I had the NFL that found me. And, right. and by the grace of God, I prayed on it because I said, well, this has been always an opportunity for me as a stepping stone. It wasn't something I dreamed about. Oh, I want to go to the league. Right. When I was a kid, um, I watched a movie with uh, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy called Trading Places. Yeah. And uh, all time, <laughs> you know, favorite movie, the comedy, the plot. When you see uh, Billy Valentine, which, you know, uh, Eddie Murphy plays that role, switches from being homeless and, and, and now becomes a Wall Street person. Dan Aykroyd went from Wall Street to homeless. You see how Eddie Murphy evolved as he was around success. And then finance, investments really took, uh, uh, you know, my attention span. I said, you know, I want to be that one day. I want to be successful. I want to get into Wall Street. So I, I bring you back to say, well, after completing my, um, you know, my master's degree and I had two options in front of me, I said, I can go to, you know, corporate or I can actually go pro. But if I go pro, I got one shot. And if I don't do it, I'll never find out. Right. That was That's the inspiration right. right there that made me realize that, you know, if, if, if it doesn't work out, I can fall back and be a businessman, but I'm going to pursue. I decided um, to not go to Shanghai and to come back to Florida and walk on to the Miami Dolphins in 2010. Uh, wow. Tony Sperano was our head coach. We had the big tuna still hanging out in the locker room. Um, you know, Jake Long was, you know, uh, the, the lineman at the time. Chad Henney was our quarterback. It was a great cast. And for me, it was the entry in. And, you know, believe it or not, I did really good. I did really good and, um, you know, had an opportunity with the Dolphins at first, uh, you know, built some of my resume. I actually had about a three-year career in pro football. That's um, incredible. And and um, come to find out when I when I got hurt with Pittsburgh, that's when everything changed me. Yeah. And um, it was one of the scariest moments where I had some severe trauma, which, you know, basically ended up being a near-death experience. Oh, my gosh. By the grace of God, when I realized that football was getting better for me and I was 
becoming more of a, a, a student of the game, uh, developing my skill set. I will never forget that I was in training camp with Pittsburgh and giving it all I had. And for what it was, I literally blacked out on the field and collapsed. Mm. And I kid you not. Were you hit? Well, it was it was basically just pushing my body uh, to the extremity. Okay, so it wasn't like a a tackle gone bad. It It wasn't a collision. It was was it was a collision. It was it was dehydration that really took me out of the game. I uh, I was, you know, really competing at that high level because everybody's good in the league and everybody is, you know, bringing some type of value, but you have to compete. Yes. When I pushed myself to the extremity, my body shut down. I collapsed Mm. on that field, Sandy, and didn't know what was going on outside of them picking me up, put me in an ambulance and rushing me over to the UPMC hospital in Pittsburgh. Now, mind you, this is a major hospital. We're talking, you know, there's helipads flying and bringing people in that have went mm-hmm. through some serious drama. And, and this was something that I've never seen before. I'm scared. I'm in fear because now I'm in this hospital. I'm being diagnosed by how many physicians? I don't never seen them before. And they're telling me, Chris, it doesn't look good. I'm 22 years old in this hospital in fear. Now, Well, they're also looking at you like you're a professional football player. And I mean, not that they would look at you any differently, but, but, you know, it was, it's a, I don't know, liability. (laughs) That's right. They don't want to make the news. (laughs) Right. So, uh, so so what happened as the story develops, they have now mentioned to me that Chris, here's the thing. You dehydrated severely and it really, you know, came down in your body, but there's actually something else that we're worried about. And I'm at the moment like, well, what are you talking about? Speak English. What does this mean? They're like, well, here's the thing. You got a blood clot in oh. your leg. And oh. it doesn't look good. And we're going to have to either cut your leg off and amputate it because there's not enough flow pumping from your leg to your heart. And if we don't make a decision. This window is shutting down. We're going to have to take action. What? Exactly. What? Sandy, all I can do was pray to God. And, and in my prayer, I ask, God, please let this not be the last time that I open my eyes in this place. I don't have any family here. I don't have anybody that I know, and I'm in, in fear. Please let me get through this. After that prayer, Sandy, they roll me into the operating room, and we had to go immediately into surgery. Because I said, I'm not walking out of here with one leg. I'm 22 years old. I got so much That's right. That's right. As they're performing the surgery, they're going in, they're, they're you know, removing this blood clot, they're going in to release this tension. My heart, and my heart flatlined. Oh my gosh. Right there on the operating table, and I died. Second chance at life. And I had that out of body experience. Did and you I'll really? tell you, it was two things, Sandy. It was on one side, Chris, we'll go ahead and receive you if you're ready to come on over. The other side, it was, Chris, there's so much you haven't completed yet on your journey. Yeah. You, the impact you can make for yourself, your family, your community. And that's what I held on to. And I knew for a fact that I wasn't done. And I wanted to check back in. By the power of the Almighty, the doctors resuscitated my heart. They shocked me back to life. I wake up the next morning. I don't know what's going on. But. I'm sedated. I'm in a position where I'm drowsy, didn't know what was going on. I have huge bandages on my leg, and I don't understand what happened yet. 
but you still had your leg. So you're, I still have my leg. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, <phew. laughs> oh my gosh. When I woke the up. The little things, right? The little things that count, right? <laughs> right? When I woke up, the first group of humans that I saw were my family members. Oh. And they got on the next flight moving from Florida to Pittsburgh. And when I woke up, they were there. Now, I saw them and being the leader of my family, I realized that, whoa, what's going on here? I'm down. And they're looking at me in this situation. And I broke down. I couldn't hold it to bear. Mm. And I went and burst into tears looking at them and just not understanding what had happened. Right. And they loved me. They hugged me. They said it was going to be okay. At that very moment in time, I decided I was hanging up the cleats. I got no regrets. Yeah. Then he, when, when you don't play this game all your life, I was born at 10 pounds, seven ounces, like a bowling ball. The doctors at, at my birth told my parents, <laughs> this guy's going to be a football player. And believe it or <laughs> not, my parents didn't tell me this until I had really started playing the game. No and kidding. When I realized that, you know, football was a great opportunity, it was a platform. It wasn't my end game. Right. And that's when I realized at that very moment that I need to hang up the cleats because if I do go back into playing this game with the competitive nature that I've built over the journey, I'm going to go into a relapse. And there's no yeah. telling that you're going to have a third chance at life. That's right. So, you know, that experience alone made me realize that it was time for me to transition. And, you know, because I, have, I had an education, I, I knew that I was going to be a person in some capacity, but I didn't know I was going to end up being a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. I didn't know I was going to be an investment advisor that helps family offices, you know, business owners and professional athletes with their business succession planning. I had no idea that this was ahead, but I knew I never quit. And I take a moment to share that you never know how to prepare for the next stage in your life, but you know, if you stay focused and you just have a game plan, plan you can always learn how to transition yeah yeah for sure so that brings me to the the big part of the discussion that i really wanted to talk about today which is mindset with athletes and it's interesting because you didn't have that those years of training in football which mm -hmm. most professional players have you know they probably start playing football at five six seven whatever age you're allowed to start playing and, and you work on that mindset and that determination and that grit and that resilience that is so necessary. So what was it for you when you realized that like you had what it took to make it to the pros? How did your mind and that mindset drive you? Because a lot of people, you know, they, they, they end up with limiting beliefs or who am I? Can I really do this? They start doubting themselves. And, and all the athletes that I work with as their mindset coach, most of the times it's their confidence. It's the confidence that, that you really have to work on and build. It's like a muscle that we, I got to help them build that confidence muscle. So they believe in themselves. What was it for you that kept that belief going strong to take you into the professional, professional sports? My mom, my mom that believed in me from day one and said, education is what's key. And for me, I had a different mindset. I didn't have the mindset that I had to make it as a professional football player to be able to identify who I was in life. The mindset that I had was this was a stepping stone from the from day one. This was an opportunity to open some doors to at least put myself on a platform that when I'm recognized, absolutely you, you know, get recognized for being a sports player first. 
But at the end of the day, I wanted to be recognized for the value that I could bring in my conversation right. and how I can, you know, art, art, um, overall just articulate how I felt. And, and that was the reason why I knew from day one that mindset was so important to know the bigger abundance that God has set for me. And the confidence was built over time. The, count, the confidence was built in training camp. The confidence was built in the weight room. The confidence was built in my eating habits. That's where I built confidence because it allowed me to play at my best. It allowed me to have the best performance. So when you trick your mind in doing the preparation, the stage becomes easy. Right. You shine on stage because you put in so much effort into preparing. And that's the difference right there. You know, you have, you know, athletes who have the gift of gab. They can eat whatever they want, sleep as many hours of, of, of rest as they need, and they'll still perform. But yeah. do they have a long game? That's right. And and when you take the athlete who does it the right way, has the discipline, has the focus, they may have a shorter career, but the mindset after that career is abundance. Because oh, now yeah. your life really starts after the game because when you realize as an athlete while you're in it you think that's the only thing you're going to ever do in, in the world you think that's the best way that people are only going to recognize you and i and i go back to the school system that they didn't teach us about life outside of the game most coaches or, or most sports teach you about how to be present how to give it your all but they're not talking to you about well if you know for a fact what you're doing is setting up the stage for your future, you may have a great opportunity to keep playing the game at the professional level, at the Olympian level, or even levels beyond that. And that's the blessing by God. Nobody knows that they're going to last more than one year or five or 10 years. There's not too many Brett Favre's or Tom Brady's that have a 20 plus year run. No. But those who had the ability to get there can say that they've perform well enough to get on stage and that's the difference where when you're when you're kind of you know the underdog when you didn't get drafted you didn't have the great big agent you didn't have the platform you didn't have the film you got to work way harder than the person who had those opportunities yeah because now you got to really prove yourself and i've always come from the bottom that's all i know i don't know anything about having you know, all these opportunities or resources that got me to the game. I had to put my hand in the dirt. And as they say, get the butter from the duck. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, my mindset really was to make sure that I did the small things. It's the little things that really get you to gear up for the stage. And I believe that that's what allowed me to transition even after sports to become the person I am as a professional uh, financial services uh, uh, advisor. So, you know, when I think about mindset, it, it follows you everywhere you go. How you wake up in the morning and, and prepare your, your, uh, your bed, how you make the coffee, how you shower, how you dress, how you prepare for success. Those are things that never leave an athlete. So I believe that mindset is something that is instilled in us from the day one. You know, how our parents treat us to, you know, how we, um, you know, spend time with people, how we, you know, learn about our communities. It is you seeing yourself evolve, even if sometimes you can't see past your nose. 
Right. But it's more of how do you surround yourself with others that can help lift you? And that mindset of abundance, allowing God to lead you is really what allows you to make an impact. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So last question. How has the your mindset in terms of making it to the NFL and now you're in the corporate sector and you know you you you've created for yourself a really amazing career. However, life happens when we're busy making other plans, right? <laughs> so when you do have those struggles, are you able to or or what is it about making it to to the NFL? that you can pull from to help you get through it. Because like, just as an example, like, yeah, my skating, I was very accomplished and all of that. However, the one thing that I always refer back to was I, I ran and completed the Marine Corps Marathon in 2006. And that was one of the most difficult things I'd ever done because it took me just under five hours to complete. And I'm like, who the heck runs for five hours, right? (laughs) (laughs) So for me, when I'm, when I'm tackling something that's really difficult, I'm like, oh my gosh, I ran the Marine Corps marathon. If I can do that, I got this. So what do you drive from when you're in those moments to help you recognize, you know, I can do this. Of course I can do this because there's so often our mindset, you know, plays tricks on us. You know, we've got that ego mind. It tries to protect us because it doesn't want us to fail. It doesn't want us to hurt. So sometimes, you know, you've got that. Sometimes people call it, you know, Freddie Effer or, you know, whatever on your shoulder. And, you know, that's, that's telling you whatever. How do you make that shift? And what is it that you draw from to help you get through it? Negative 21 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Waking up to snow and the cold, five years straight college is what really built who I was as a man. The okay. adversity that I went through, the, the the challenges that I faced. And when I really go and reflect on what I went through, that's really what allows me to have a strong mindset. When I'm getting ready to quit and say, no, I just can't take it no more. I go back to the years that I trained, that I prepared myself to go through those, you know, two, three a days at times, to right. go through the, the trainings that I went through and pushing myself to the to the maximum. Even when I had no more left in me, I found a way to reach for that one more breath. Those are the, the days that when you go through struggle, it really creates your character. And even today with what I'm doing as an investment advisor, um, how I'm you know, performing and helping my clients, helping businesses, I always go back to the fundamentals how I train, how I eat, how I perform. But I go back to knowing that the work ethic that I built through sports allows me to continuously apply that even in the corporate sector today. Mm-hmm. Waking up the same early time that I woke up when I was, you know, a player, uh, making sure that I get enough, you know, fluids, hydration, I'm eating the right stuff. But even when I'm facing challenges in, in the corporate world, I go back and say, well, this is something I can't handle. Yeah. If 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 I was presented this challenge, God knows what you can handle. Right. And God puts you through certain things to test you to make sure that if you don't go through that, you'll never know how to be proactive about the challenge or how to react 
in such a way that is compelling enough for you to have poise. And I believe that all the trials and, and tribulations that I faced when I got injured, when I got hurt, when I had to rebuild my strength, when you're seeing, you know, uh, your number two, your number three in the scrimmage or in the game, and you're seeing on the sidelines, instead of you pouting, you're rooting that person on because you're like, I'm going through this process because it's teaching me how to be humble, how to have humility, how to know that sometimes you got to take a step back so you can take that leap forward. Yeah. But if you don't go through challenges, if you don't go through adversity, this is the difference between you know, somebody who has never faced adversity and never had faced a, a challenge that really tested them versus the person that went through challenges and had the adversity and knows how to overcome. And I believe that I would go to war with somebody who has faced adversity, who has had many challenges and who could really kind of walk the walk and talk the talk because they were in the grit. Then the person that says, you know, I'm the best. I can do it all. I don't need to practice. Because that person is who you're going to rely on at the end of the day that went through something. Because you know what it took for them to last. And that's the abundance and the mindset that I continuously talk to athletes about. You got to stay in the game even when it's tough. You got to right. keep pushing yourself because if you weren't in position to do it, God would never have put you there. That's right. That's right. And that's the a mindset and the abundance that I carry with me every single day. And, and it's a little different now. I'm not physically, you know, running into people or blocking right. and tackling anymore. But now, how am I, you know, demonstrating, you know, my leadership skills? How am I right. being attentive to listening? How am I understanding how to solve problems? And it kind of is the same type of, uh, I guess, game that I'm playing, but it's just a different approach. And the mindset, even... In the corporate sector, is the same thing because in corporate, you still have adversity. You yeah. have, you know, people with competition, you have yep. adversity, you have things that don't ever go your way over time. But how are you going to bounce from that and, and now how to face adversity and be able to say, this is just a phase. Right. What I'm going through. I can get over this. I can I can overcome. What well, I've been through stuff that's way tougher than that's what I'm right. facing now. So <laughs> that's right, for sure. Oh my gosh. Chris, this has been such an amazing conversation. Is there anything else that you want to throw in? And how can people um, find out more about you and um, also mention your website as well? Absolutely. Well, um, you know, in the pandemic, I um, I realized that the nonprofit industry was facing some very uh, much uh, impact with, um, you know, sustainability. Um, I'm a thought leader in the nonprofit space, and I published a book called Let's Get It. It's 10 keys to building your nonprofit to maximum mm. impact. Uh, the book was published um, really to help leadership, team building, and donors learn how to think about impacting a nonprofit and, and thinking about them in perpetuity. So when I wrote this book in the pandemic, uh, I worked with a traditional publisher who published my book. And now I'm on every major uh, shelf you can think of from Target, Barnes and Nobles, books, That's and incredible. Name, Amazon. That's incredible. And, uh, it's a part of, um, you know, my legacy to leave behind impact to help others. I believe that community and, and being able to be uh, an advocate of what you believe in helping others is really how I'm leaving my legacy. So by publishing this book, people can pick it up at Amazon, Target, wherever they choose to type in my name and support. Um, it really also complements how I feel about what I've you know, chosen as a profession, um, even after my transition out of the pros. 
and now have become an investment advisor, helping people with their businesses, um, helping people think about succession planning. How do we get out? How do we retire, sell the company, yeah. generational wealth building? I can help people really have strategies so they can exit and have a really good exit. And when you're thinking about those things that complement each other, a lot of times successful business people, when they sell their companies, they don't want to pay the IRS 40% in taxes. So instead of doing that, they want to find a loophole to say, where can I make a contribution to a nonprofit? So it's very strategic um, the way I've positioned myself to not only be a thought leader in the nonprofit world, but also be a fiduciary in the investment world and to really help serve the community, but by making impact with what people are doing, helping mm. them leave a legacy through their businesses, but also thinking about the organizations that support their children, their their mothers, their fathers, their animals, um, and just overall, you know, allowing people to understand that I'm a resource. You can find me on uh, LinkedIn, which is Chris Dora Finance, and you know, type my name. Let's connect. Um, I'm also on um, Instagram, uh, Z O E underscore T H E the underscore Legend, Zo the Legend. Um, you can also find my website at a, a www. Uh, my name is spelled with a K and two Fs, not a C or with a PH. So ChristopherDora.com. And uh, there's ways to connect with me even on my calendar. So um, definitely happy to help athletes, help professionals, encourage others to you know connect with me. Um, have a great ecosystem. And uh, I'm here to serve others. I've, I've already lived the second chance at life. So yeah, no kidding. I got nothing to lose at this point. I, I got everything to give. So I feel like, you know, meeting you is an amazing way to connect with you, share a conversation. I'm, I'm so delightful that I was able to be honored and be on your uh, podcast. Thank you. Thank um, you. Definitely want to do this again and, um, you know, just continue with the progress. Maybe I'll do it after I put out my second book. There you go. For sure. We'll definitely have you back for that. Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're very busy, so I really appreciate it. And I'm so grateful for you. And I'm grateful for all the listeners. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Tim. God bless. God bless. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care.